0: Welcome to the Inspiring Educators podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Lila Noor, the educator motivator. I am a sixth-year teacher. Um, I'm also a Math for America master teacher and the regional coordinator for the CPM mathematics um, curriculum. This week, I am grateful for, and we always say we we're grateful for, just because we like to kind of, you know, uplift the uh, podcast and talk about, you know, what's positive. You know, a lot of things are going on. And speaking of things that are going on, I'm grateful for our victory with the strike. Um, if you didn't know, Los Angeles Unified School District, we had, you know, a crazy turnout with people Um educators, students, parents, just general supporters, family that came out and supported us for, you know, what we were fighting for. And that was our students and better education um, for all of them and better, you know, situations for ourselves as teachers. So that's what I'm grateful for. You can also find me on Twitter at Miss Lila Noor. That's at
0: M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. I I want to send a quick congratulations to the LA teachers that really show what collaboration and working together can do hopefully other school districts and teachers across the country will take note of what happened and utilize those steps and strategies to improve their respective environment this is dr christopher j childs i call myself the academic rock star i'm a mathematics specialist and i'm really just trying to make the world a better place through the use of mathematics On Twitter, my handle is at DRKchilds, at DRKchilds. This week, I'm going to piggyback on what Lila stated. I am grateful for the LA teachers coming together. That's huge. Advocacy is going to play a major part in education going forth. And I'm grateful for them for coming together, getting things done. But hopefully others saw that movement and can replicate that movement. I'm definitely grateful for you all, Lila, and the hard work that you do each and every day impacting students.
1: Absolutely. And we don't have a coach here today with us. (laughs) We miss you, Jay.
0: (laughs) Jay, we'll see you on the next episode. I hope so. But this week, we have a hot topic. Every week, we have a hot topic. Our goal of the podcast is to talk about different things within education, give our perspectives, point of view, bring in a little bit of research. And just really just get your feedback through the different social media platforms. Reach out to us, hashtag inspiring Educators. Even comment on the different podcast platforms and let us know what do you think, what are your thoughts, what are your feelings. We're a voice for the people and we want to inspire educators most importantly. This week's hot topic, keeping class interesting. Every now and then you may get a class that you can't seem to keep interesting. No matter what you do, it seems like all of the students are bored out of their mind. If students aren't paying attention and their minds are wandering, then they are not absorbing any of the information that you're giving them to pass your class. So, Lila, you've been in the classroom, currently in the classroom. I'm a former classroom teacher. What is it going to take to get students interested in class? Is the onus on us? Is the onus on the students, the system? What is going on? How can we keep kids interested? we going to go to you, Lila.
1: I think it's, um, for me, it's usually always been one of two things. It's always been that either A, they already know it, or B, they're completely lost. <laughs> um, and so you know, and then there are. I'll say a third thing. Then too, is that you're potentially just kind of playing into this this very teacher-centered situation. I feel like when our classrooms are student-centered, we don't have a lot of those opportunities for students to be bored and to, you know, feel idle. So if we are have, if we do have or take away that third option of having um a teacher-centered classroom, it's actually student-centered. Then it could just be that you know students are bored or students are lost and. That's when I actually realized this semester that I needed to do more kind of stations, more homogeneous grouping this year. Um, Just because I have such a crazy variety of students in some of my classes that are really small and I have, you know, students that need no help from me and I have students that need all the help from me. So, you know, I, those students that have been looking really bored in my class or weren't interested had no idea what was going on and couldn't find themselves um, a way to catch up. So it really just needed my, my direct attention. They really needed more, more one-on-one for me, more um, support from me, even though, you know, I kind of try to play them into like use each other as, you know, support system, use each other as resources. Well, sometimes that's hard to do when everybody else around you is feeling the same way.
0: Right. I think you make a valid point. We always talk about these classroom environments. It's that creating that student-centered environment. A lot of times when students are bored, it's because the focus is on the teacher or a selector-based environment. But when we make it student-centered, the onus is on them. And let's break down, because some of our listeners don't know what a student-centered environment is. So let's break that down for them first. Teacher-centered environment is where the teacher is the focal point. Think back when you're in school The teacher gave a lecture, you took notes, you regurgitate the information. A student-centered environment, the teacher is not a teacher per se, but a facilitator. They're facilitating a conversation and naturally, organically getting things from the students. So as Lila pointed out, when we think about that student-centered environment, it's hard to be bored because if the focus is on the student, we're getting ideas from them. The only board, if, as Lila pointed out, one of two things. You said one, Lila, they don't know or they're disinterested. Mm-hmm. But the student center, they're typically interested. So it's, they don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I mean, a part of it, too, I mean, you know, if we if we say. Because you know, there are teachers you know who are listening and saying, "You know what? I don't have any of those situations in my classroom student center. My students, you know have just the amount of support they need, but they're still bored. they're not engaged. You know, I also feel like a big part of teaching is making sure that you're bringing your personality into the classroom, and so you don't seem like a robot. You know, this isn't you you bring your joy and your love for what you're doing into the classroom to be able to. to to put that onto the students so that they kind of feel that and and take that in. Because if you're bored, they're just as bored, right? If you feel like you're just there for this check and that's all, then they're going to interact with you in a way that you're just here for that check. You know, like you have to be able to bring your joy for mathematics or for English or for physics into the classroom and say, hey, this is something that I love and here's why you should love it too. You know, even if only for one moment.
0: But should they love it just because the teacher loves it? Or is it the teacher's responsibility to bring life to it in a sense that the students like?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that's maybe that's what I mean, is that I I don't think that just because I say I love math and you got to love math, too. (laughs) But
0: I think that when I I want to pause, if I say I love math, my students have to love math just putting it up.
1: But wait a minute, that's not what you just said.
0: Math <laughs> is a sole exception. I'm just putting that up, but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> so If I say I love math, I don't, I don't mean that my students have to immediately go, I love math too, but I want to continuously show that, not just say it, but I have to show that in my actions. I have to show that in the way I interact and in the way I present material so that they can eventually, you know, start to develop some sort of, liking loving you know maybe it's somewhere in between along this spectrum of how they feel about that subject as well you know um So that, you know, even if it's a day that's, you know, kind of off, because I have students tell me, oh, today was a great day, Miss, like, even though it was chaotic, you know, I've had days that literally don't go well at all in my mind. And the kids are like, it was amazing, (laughs) so you know, because at the same time, I'm still trying to show how much I'm enjoying it and how much I love it. And, you know, they feel the same. You know, they may not walk away and say, yeah, I'm about to be a math teacher, but they may walk away feeling really good about who they are as mathematicians.
0: But you made a good point. You you made them feel a part of it. And it's funny when we teach, even when we speak out, you ever notice the ones you feel are, that are not good speeches or not good lectures, the audience or the students love it. Absolutely. And then the ones <laughs> the ones where you think you brought the house down, everybody was like, that was okay. That was all right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean the other day there was a lesson where students were supposed to be exploring distance, rate and time and its correlation and I bought these wind-up toys thinking that they were going to go <laughs> along a linear path and little did I know I can out all the toys and the kids come back to me and say miss when this one does backflips and this one spins in circles and this one just shakes from side to side so I ended up not actually getting out of it what I wanted, but they were just excited to be playing with the toys. And then when I told them, you know what, make up some data. You all know what a linear relationship looks like. Make it up, make it happen. They did that. They felt good about being able to make it up and understand what it meant to make up that linear data. So that was, you know, that was still learning happening, even though they didn't get the um, opportunity to explore it with the rate uh, you know, over time with the toy. But they, after that class, which literally bombed, they're oh, today was a great day. I love, it. every day should be like today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand.
0: <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that activity that leads us perfectly into five teaching strategies to keep class interesting. One of the teaching strategies is to use games as teaching strategies. And the key with games, I tell all teachers that I work with, keep the content before the game. What do I mean? The game needs to be engaging, as Lila pointed out but that you need to keep the content at the root of it. So students only with the takeaway, we had a fun game, but the takeaway how the content is involved in the game. The second one, as we point out in the show, relating class content to their lives. When students see themselves a part of the content from an authentic perspective, class becomes interesting. Number three, make it interactive. When you think about that student-centered focus, it's automatically an interactive environment. You're calling upon students. You're letting them share their thoughts. It's not, hey, let me sit and listen to someone talk for 45 minutes to 60 minutes. No one's trying to hear a lecture all day long. Number four, to keep class interesting is to give students choices. We need to think about how do we differentiate? How do we make class interesting and do we make it fun? And then number five is going to be using technology. Technology is here to stay. There's so, I go in so many classrooms. They're anti-technology. No phones. No calculator. Our kids today will always have a smart, not a cell phone, a smartphone. They will have a mini computer in their pocket or something better. Show them how to naturally integrate that into the classroom environment. So a quick recap: number one, use games as teaching strategies. Number two, connect class to their lives. Number three, make class interesting. No, number three, make class interactive. Number four, give them choices. And number five, use technology. Those are just a few ways to make class interactive and to make it F-U-N, fun. Class should be fun. Lila, some wrapping up thoughts as it relates to keeping class interactive.
1: I mean, we talk about making class interactive, and I know that we always feel like every single minute counts. and you know, every single minute does count, but for me, I, with a lot of my students and a lot of my classes that I know are so detached and so you know, um they really struggle with feeling motivated because of their past failures in mathematics um and their lack of success at this point, that i you know i I, I take times to just laugh about random stuff, you know, and and lowering that effective filter really brings my students in to say, hey, you know what, I may be struggling with this, but I feel a little more at ease to be able to ask for help, to be able to admit that I'm struggling, for us to just have fun in class and for me to build those relationships and talk about random stuff, and joke with my students, and talk about them, and talk about myself. Um, It's it's just a part of the relationship building that goes on that allows me to keep them interested, Um, you know, whether there's really solid content, or, you know, the day bombs.
0: (laughs) One of the big things I used to use with building that rapport relationship and getting students, especially if they're disinterested of having problems, instead of asking students, do you have a question?" I always ask students, do you understand? Instead of asking students, do you have a question? Ask them, do they understand? It elicits a different response because if I'm lost in class, I'm struggling, I can't even formulate a question, but I can raise my hand and say, hey, I don't understand. And then we can go down a series of questions to make sense of it for students to understand.
1: Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I always, and my students used to think I was extra for it, but I always get somebody to respond because my, at the end of, you know, an explanation, I always go, um, question, comments, concerns, thoughts, feelings, attitudes, beliefs, any of that, anybody resonate with any of that? <laughs> suggestions, ideas, like, do you have any of those things to add, contribute? even if it's not a question, if it's just a comment or a concern, I feel like being able to rephrase it in a couple of different ways, like Chris said, like, Hey, do you understand? As opposed to do you have questions ends up being giving you soliciting really, really different responses.
0: And that goes back to number four strategy, giving them choices. So we have to also give them choices and not only what they do, but how can they respond to different questions that we ask overall, Talk less and involve students more. The more you make your class interactive and the more you utilize technology, the more your students will enjoy what they are learning. Reach out to us on social media. Let us know, how do you keep your class interesting? We only named a few topics here on the show, but we want to hear from you, the listeners. What are you doing to make your class interactive? We would love to connect with you on this topic because students vary. Cultures vary within the school system. Areas of the country vary. So different people use different strategies. Let's work together to identify some effective strategies. This leads us to my favorite part of the podcast, which is that inspirational moment. That inspirational moment is designed to encourage you, to give you a little, "Mm," to make it through the week, to keep going. This week's inspirational moment is being brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Christopher J. Chow. And this week's inspirational moment, I want to leave you with the thought of, or the word, the acronym of TEAM, T-E-A-M. When I look at it from the acronym perspective, together, everyone achieves more. How does that relate to us as educators? We as educators, it's time for us to come together. As we stated at the top of the show, LA teachers came together for a unified cause. We need to start working together for unified causes. We cannot work in isolation. We can't have hidden agenda or personal agendas. Our agendas must be for the betterment of school for the students that we work with. When we keep students in the focus, our agendas should automatically align. While I may believe we need to do A, B, C, you may need to believe we need to do C, D, E, F, There is some commonality within the agendas, but because we're both focused on students, we're going to come together on that behalf when we take those personal biases or personal beliefs or personal agendas out of the way. Use a teamwork approach going forth to what you're trying to do. And when we think about it, working together as a team, every good team needs a leader. So as you craft this agenda, this plan of action, working together collaboratively, Get someone to lead it, and they're just leading by the agenda that you all put in place, but everybody's voice can't go forth as a collective whole. It goes forth through the agenda, through the policies that we want to implement, but it doesn't go forth everybody, all 100 people in the principal's office, all 100 people in the superintendent's office. They can come in and stand behind the support, let someone else lead and clearly articulate what you're trying to do. It's still a teamwork approach, but we have to be strategic in what we're doing. And as educators, it is imperative going forth that we work together. I promise you, some things are going to be coming within education that are going to drastically affect and change education, and not in a good way. Unless we come together, we work together, and become a unified whole to change education for the better. Education is not perfect. No one will ever say it's perfect, but it's good, and it can be better if we work together. So consider a team teamwork approach. Together, everyone achieves more. Find people who are like-minded within you, within the field, who want to do something, who want to do something great, and you all work together and start a movement. Start a movement. Every movement starts small, and it slowly grows over time. We can do this as educators working together. team. That's my inspirational thought for you all today. Lila, any closing thoughts?
1: Yes, team. We feel like we have to do it alone, but we really don't have to. You know, we stay in our classrooms, take the time to reach out and find your team. It may only be one other person. It might be 10 other people, but you need to find your team.
0: This has been the Inspiring Educators podcast. We will see you all on the next episode. As we always say, we out. Bye.
1: We got to. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we got to do ch for Jay. <laughs>